Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm John Ledyard from FanRagSports.com and NDTScouting.com, along with Trevor Sykema of PewterReport.com, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Trevor, on today's show, we are just going to the tape. We're talking about who we've watched recently. I feel like we've been kind of in this whirlwind of senior bowl guys, combine guys, previewing, you know, wrapping things up, giving thoughts on what happened, analyzing it while we're in it. And we haven't had time to really sit down and talk about some of the position groups, some of the different guys that we've been watching. And we just kind of came together. We're like, okay, you, I know you've been watching cornerbacks. I've been watching edge defenders and wrapping up my rankings for edge defenders. Um, and, you know, kind of where we're at with these position groups is something that we haven't been able to talk about real in depth. So, I don't know. Do you want who? What corners have you been watching recently? Because I know you've been watching a couple guys that I've also seen, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on them because we haven't even got in depth on. Well, we've probably talked corners less than any other position on this podcast. Yeah, I'm corners kind of been. Uh, I don't know how to say like an out there position. Like we didn't really know who was going to be at the top. We didn't know how mm-hmm. things were going to shape out. Yeah, I know you and I were really waiting for the combine to see some of the athletic numbers that a lot of these guys were going to have, and. Um, over the last week or so, I think I've watched I've watched a lot of Denzel Ward, lots of uh, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, some Carlton Davis. Um, I was getting into a lot of those guys because I want I want to make sure that that I'm uh, that I'm right at the top. So I've kind of been watching a lot of the top tier guys. And who stood out to you from that regard? Because I know that we've had some discussions. We had some discussions in Indianapolis about the cornerbacks. I know we were kind of impressed with some of the similar dudes. And actually, I think it was what was it sun sunday at the senior bowl or at the combine you were actually you know kind of drawing up some of your rankings and looking at your top fives and stuff like that and, and working through maybe who would be in that area for you a cornerback i think some of your rankings were solidified by the combine right yeah um like you know for example we'll just talk about jair alexander really quick mm-hmm. i think that his combine numbers basically told us that hey you know i think it was jair alexander telling us you know my 2016 tape is the tape that you need to watch Mm -hmm. um you know the 2017 tape i think he was hurt for quite a bit of it um for whatever reason you know louisville's defense was kind of all over the place so i think that 2016 you know watching his numbers from the common i think that his 2016 tape is the, the one that we need to be watching and that's really good and so i think at the top of my rankings I'm I'm gonna have I think Denzel Ward's gonna be CB one. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be CB one for me. Mm-hmm. I think he is right now. But sure. Jair Alexander for me is CB two, and they would be in that like if you were to tier it, those two would be in the first tier. They'd be in tier one, and then I think we would go into tier two after those two. I think those two are the best cornerbacks in the class. I think they're the most impact ready, and I think they're the most scheme versatile too. Um, I think they have all the athleticism. I think the the position comes really naturally to both of those guys. They're, they're different. I think they're a little bit different in certain ways. I think Denzel Ward is, um, I think he's naturally a little bit stronger. I think Ward plays a little bit better with mm-hmm. the, with uh, his back to the ball. Um, that's big. And that's, that's such a rare thing, man. Yeah, that's big. Uh, it, it, when you are, when you're good, and it's, it's, it's just not, it's not just a matter of, oh, he's a man corner and off corner even. Being, being able to, Watch a wide receiver, a tight end's eyes, um, having a knack for knowing when the ball is coming your way. And that's th- those are the elements of playing with your back to the ball. And yeah. it is so rare to have a corner 
who is like that. And I think I think Denzel Ward certainly fits that bill. Jair Alexander, I think, shows some of that too. But I think that he's you know he's an off corner as well. And so those are probably my top two guys. I've really liked what I've seen on tape from both of those guys for different reasons. I feel like when I watched Jair Alexander when he was healthy, I didn't see anybody who was like dominant against the run. But that was something that stood out to me with both these guys. You know, Jair does enough against the run for sure. And I thought, I mean, I was Denzel Ward. He's 183, but he doesn't play like it. Like he plays like I don't see that being a huge issue for him on tape. I was surprised dude, 16 when he came reps. In. That's what I mean. He like 16 put, reps at 183. And he looked the built. dude strong. He looked built on the bench. I was like, this guy's big. I don't know how he weighed in so light. It, really weird to me. I, I definitely didn't have, see that. And see, this is somebody asked me about Ward when I said that he was CB1. Somebody asked me, you know, it, it, does the 183 scare you? And I don't think it does because, like you said, he looks built already. So that tells me that genetically, if you throw on another 10 pounds on this dude, he's going to handle it well. So if you throw on another 10 pounds, like some, you know, get some NFL weightlifting, some NFL nutrition on him, um, and not saying Ohio State isn't good at that. I mean, they're one of the best programs in the country. But if you throw another 10 pounds on this dude, then he's, you know, he's sitting around 193, 195. At that point, if he is still as athletic as he is, you know, it may be a little bit step back because you're putting 10 more pounds on your body. But that's that's that, that's almost cornerback average at that point, and you still have a guy who is very good athletically, has great speed. We know the strength is there, and it's only going to get stronger with more weight. And he's a man corner, so that's a good element to it anyways. You want him to be able to get a little bit physical with receivers and be like that in press coverage and all that help and run support, all that kinds of stuff. And so, no, the, the, the lighter weight doesn't really bother me. I wonder even if he showed up at a lighter weight on purpose – to make sure, you know, he just ran as fast as possible, jumped as high as possible, as far as possible, blah, blah, blah. And he's really about to go well, back to that part of it. <laughs> There's huh? no question about that part of it for Denzel Ward in terms of the athleticism. He left no doubt. Yeah. Uh, he is. So that's a, why, you know, throwing on an extra 10 pounds doesn't worry me. Right. And we'll see. His pro day weigh in will be a pretty big part of the evaluation for him. And uh, I mean, 183 pounds is. Not ideal. There aren't just a lot of cornerbacks in the league playing at that size. But, you know, look at the tape and show me where it really hurts him. You know, I think the one where you could point out maybe that it does hurt him is in some contested catch situations. He doesn't win all those. But, again, if if that's the biggest thing you're giving up a corner and you still have good ball skills, man, I don't know. Like, I, I, th- I think I'm going to take it. Uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying Denzel Ward's Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think he's Marshawn Lattimore. Um, but I think he, in this class, I don't. To me, Lattimore and Conley from last year's class were better than anybody in this class. And then obviously Trey White ended. You know, I was high on Trey White, but he ended up being in, in the tier with. It looks like he'll be in a tier with those guys as well. I know Conley spent the year, the whole entire year hurt. Would um, you rather have Trey White or Denzel Ward? Well, pre-draft coming out, I probably would have Denzel Ward slightly over Trey White. Because okay. Trey White had like a early to mid second somewhere like that for me, I think, and I think Denzel Ward's going to have like a late first to early second somewhere in that range. So mm-hmm. I think he'd be a tad higher. But having watched White in the NFL, I don't know. That makes it a little bit tougher because White was so good this past year, and uh, you know it's hard to it's hard to not have that recency bias in my head. It's um, true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Ward is is good for sure. And I think that's the thing. Ward has played inside, which is huge, I think, because let's say you are a corner who can 
you know, can shadow number ones and can do some things like that. Now you have the ability to flex and come inside and play in the slot. If the, an offensive coordinator wants to move their top guy there to get him away from you, he can't do that. And that's one of the things I really like about Denzel Ward. Now there's going to be certain matchups size wise, like I said, where he has a tougher time winning in those contested catch spots. That is the only thing that really concerns me with him is that you see that happen, but he doesn't give up separation and he makes a lot of plays on the ball. And to me, those are the two number one things about playing corner. Um, so the the concerns are minimal, I think. And Jair Alexander, same way, you know, especially because Alexander can play in a variety of coverages and schemes. I really like him as well. Um, how about Josh Jackson? Because I, where I see these guys is the versatility, maybe inside out ability, ability to play in different coverage schemes, being strengths with these guys and big reasons why they, I think I'm with you and I haven't finished my corner evaluations, but they look like the top two guys on my board this year. At the same time, I've been a little bit scared of Josh Jackson, but also hopeful because he's a myriad of of good and bad, but I think in the right scheme, he can be effective. Yeah, Josh Jackson, there's a lot of stuff to like about his tape. And and like I, like I said before about kind of with Denzel Ward, there's an art to playing with your back to the ball. I also think that there's an art to playing off coverage at the level that Josh Jackson did this year. You know, eight takeaways those weren't like sometimes when you're a DB and you get takeaways, like sometimes they're gifts, man. Like sometimes they're just terrible throws. Um, sometimes they're, they're tipped balls. They go right to you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Josh Jackson on a lot of his INTs was baiting the quarterback, watching the quarterback's eyes, anticipating routes, doing everything, all those things really, which are the skill portions of getting takeaways from playing off coverage. So I think playing off coverage Josh Jackson was the best cornerback in college football last year. I mm-hmm. thought that there were um, a lot of really great flashes from him in that regard. Now, you pointed this out when I don't, I'm not sure if you did an entire write up on him or if this was just like a Twitter thing, but you showed some weird things in his technique, like him fully twisting his body 360 to like change yeah, an angle was, or yeah, something. Yeah, he was using speed turns at yeah, the line of scrimmage. Like a, and then, you know, at the combine, we were watching him go through backpedal drills and you could just tell he just did not look natural. Now, when you're that good at off coverage, it makes sense that you don't work a ton of backpedal stuff like you're you're starting probably six yards off the ball anyways. And and, and to backpedal, you're almost you're probably most of the time using that like Saban shuffle. Mm-hmm. If you know, like what people call it where you're almost like going from like side to side and you're just shuffling back. You're not actually backpedaling. Yeah. Um, and that works with. That works with some DBs. Maybe that's just the case with what Josh Jackson is. But it's all kind of things you need to take into consideration because it yeah. depends how you're going to use your corners. You know, cool. like I, I've I've written before, Josh Jackson in this current Buccaneers defense with the way that Mike Smith plays his corners, perfect. He'd be perfect. Sure, right, right, right. The way that they play their off corners. You know, right. for for Seattle, Josh Jackson wouldn't be a first round pick. Right. Like you know, it's it's not a guy that they go for. So. Right. Josh Jackson's a little bit more scheme dependent where I think Denzel Ward and Jair Alexander aren't. Yeah. Um, because that, he has why... to be playing forward, I think, with Josh Jackson. Yeah. Like yeah. If, he's he's if... got to keep everything in front of him. Right. And so, yeah, off coverage, sure. I mean, I think especially zone-heavy schemes, I think that he has potential to really be effective. But you ask him to, to mix up coverage as much and you put him in man and you put him in press at the line of scrimmage. And this is where it gets tricky because you look at Josh Jackson and he's a bigger corner with longer arms. You would love to play him at the line of scrimmage, but he just isn't good in press. That's not where he wins. Um, he doesn't use his hands at all in press. So you can develop him there. Sure. 
He's going to get toasted in the meantime, and I don't know what's going to happen to his confidence, and or he might not even play right away. If you have a zone-heavy scheme and you ask him to play in that, he's going to be much more likely to play right away, but it's going to hurt your ability to mix up your coverages a lot if you're a defense that likes to do that. So he will fit other teams, some teams better than other teams, uh, but that's one of the things that hurts him a little bit for me is that I'm a little scared of where the NFL is going to see him because they're going to see the ball production and they're going to see the tools, the athleticism, which he tested really well, but he looked, you saw in the drills. Like a lot of cornerback movements can't be kind of proven to be elite through testing, if that makes sense. Like I don't think a lot of the movements that cornerbacks have to do show up in the on-field drills all the time, which is why we've seen a lot of cornerbacks without great agilities and stuff still be really good corners in the NFL because they've mastered the movements like flipping your hips and things like that that aren't really denoted by any of the combine workouts per se. Obviously, like we always say, it always helps to be a great athlete anyway, but I think that technically you can master a lot of those movements without being a premier athlete. So that's where I think Josh Jackson hasn't done that part of it, but he is a nice athlete. So somebody's going to want to develop him to be a press man corner, I think. And I'm just not sure how long that process will take for him. You know, he's only been a cornerback for a couple of years because he was a wide receiver. So... Yeah, that's what I, well, I mean, having good hands. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah, his ridiculous hands. His hands are awesome. What did you think? I, I get a question. What did you think about Carlton Davis? I really like Carlton Davis at the line of scrimmage. I think he might have the best press man capabilities in this, in the NFL. And now I, if you think about Seattle, to me, Carlton Davis is a guy that makes a lot of sense for a team like Seattle. But he just doesn't find the ball well down the field. Like I just, that's my one big concern with him where it's like the opposite of Jackson almost. Like I think he can play and press man and turn and run. I don't think he finds the ball that well. And that worries me because he's a bigger corner. Right. He's got to be able to win in the air. He can't get mossed by people. If you, if you're playing press man, you've got to be able to play with your back to the ball. Right. And You've got to be able to – you the best corners – and I really wanted to like Carlson Davis. I did because I watched a couple of his flashes. I read up on him in the preseason. Everything, I was like, wow, you know, the height that this guy has, the the body frame, he could be the next good press man corner. We know the NFL always looks for those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I, I think you're right there. You know, the, the saying like you don't want to get mossed, that kind of a thing. You, you know, you're success, susceptible – to being put on a highlight reel and giving up big chunks of yards if, if you don't have that sixth sense for where the ball's going and if you don't really know how to watch a wide receiver's eyes, notice when they get big, notice, you know, that's when the ball is coming, you know, notice the tendencies of when they're going to put their arm up, you know, all that kind of stuff, being able to, and also not draw penalties too, right? I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge part of playing with your back, back to the ball. So I, I right. like him too. I, I like him too. I wish I liked him more. Yeah. I think that was that was that was my takeaway with Carlton. Davis. Me too, because he's my kind of player. He's physical. He comes up and he plays the run. He'll he'll tackle people. So there's reps where he runs receivers out of bounds with how physical he is. But yeah, I mean, what what sometimes the box score stats match up with the tape, and he has one interception in the past two years. And I think largely it's because he doesn't find and make a lot of plays on the ball with his back to it, which definitely an issue when you're talking about uh, defending the ball vertically. So. Things to look for with those guys. The position group I've been watching is edge defender. I've been trying to sort through my rankings with them. We talked a little bit about Josh Sweat. And the first time around, neither of us were big on Josh Sweat. I was like, oh, he's okay. You know, he's solid. You know, he'll be a day two guy. Um, Now I think he might be a late round one, early day two type of guy for me. 
I mean, I watched him against Miami, dude. And one of the things that Florida State did with Josh Sweat was if you watch him, they played him in like a three technique or a four eye or even a five, like an outside shoulder of the tackle real tight to the line of scrimmage in like a frog stance. So his feet are square together and like parallel, which inhibits his get off, which is obviously one of his best traits. This is just one of the many reasons why what's Florida State's defensive coordinator's name. He needs to be fired into the sun. What's his name again? Who is this? Florida State's defensive coordinator. Oh, Charles Kelly. Yeah, Charles Kelly. They got rid of him, and he shouldn't get – he's like a special teams guy somewhere now, and that's probably where he should stay. He misused a ton of these guys, but probably nobody more so than Sweat. Um, and having him play from that frog stance and fire out into the core of the line of scrimmage rather than be on the edge where he could use his speed and his burst and his bend um, and that hand usage that he has out there. I mean, he's really good hands out there at the top of the arc. I don't know why he wasn't using that role more often. And I think Sweat in that role in the NFL, when he got chances to be in that role and work from a three-point or even a four-point, but with his feet staggered and one in front of the other where his take off, his get-off could really be maximized, he was super effective. Very explosive up the arc. And you saw the bend to corner underneath punches at the top of the arc. And he works his hands well. On top of that, yes, he needs to learn inside counters a little better. He uses long arms. That should help him because he's able to stay at the depth of the quarterback, and I think that'll help him be able to work back inside. So he needs to improve some things, but this guy's also a very good run defender. I think he can keep his eyes up a little bit better, fix some things technically, but he's very physical. He plays leveraged. He gets his hands inside. He uses his hands. He gets off blocks. He's a terrific tackler. He finishes. There's not a lot of weaknesses with Josh Sweat. If you use him the right way, I think he's going to be a really effective player for your team. Man, you know, you were uh, you and I were having this conversation the other day, and you know, like you said, there's there's some tapes where he's you know they have him lined up in weird stances. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't exactly they don't they don't exactly give him the benefit of the doubt to use that burst athleticism. But right. um, I even went back and watched. Um, I believe it was, there was the Miami game, right? Yeah, you were. You were telling me to go watch, and mm-hmm. and there's definitely some flashes kind of at the end of the game, and they still kind of misuse him a little bit. But man, still, yeah. I because I, I mean, we got first round talk now for him, and yeah. I don't know, I don't know. You don't see it. His his jump off the ball, I just wish it was better. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, are you watching from uh, from a sky shot? Or are you just watching from the line of scrimmage? No, I guess. Okay, so I'm scrimmage. just watching from the line of scrimmage. So. so maybe if you go to the sky shot, I think, that's the one area where I like to watch the edges from better than behind line of scrimmage. I think if you go to the sky shot, you'll see mm-hmm. him out ahead of the other defenders getting off the ball. And as the ball moves, you can kind of see him move a little bit better. Okay. I think that – I think that because for me, the first time around, I was the same way. I just didn't really see it. And then when I went to that other angle and I was really looking closely because of the testing. You know, the testing, and this is why the combine is so important to me, is the testing kind of tells me, go back to the tape and watch for these things in particular. When you test like that kind of explosiveness like he has, Mm -hmm. and with that kind of bend, I got to watch for those two things. So I got to find every angle and every opportunity possible uh, until I look for, until I see opportunities to view those two things. And so. You think he's a first round guy? I think he's going to, I think he's going to be in the first round. If his medicals checked out as well as it sounds like they did, I think he's Mm going to sneak into the first round. I really do. All right. Yeah. All right. I think that's where we, uh, other guys that I like a lot. I like Sam Hubbard. I like Kimoko Ture a good bit. Um, 
I'm lower on Davenport than most. We've talked about that a good bit. The two guys I've spent a lot of time on recently are Arden Key and Hercules Matafa. Have you gotten to see? I know you've seen Key, and you're um, like me. Yeah, I've seen a decent amount of Key. Um, the flashes are still there, but just the constant, the the consistency. It's yeah, it's nowhere to be found in Key's game. I mean, like, I wouldn't. There's like a good chunk of plays where he just didn't care at all. I, mean, I also like don't. Game. He was like, actually pretty good against Alabama this year. I will say that. Well, I mean, because he got up, because it's Alabama. Because he got up for the Alabama game. Yeah. Everybody sure. gets up for Alabama. Right. You know, right. show me what you do against, I don't know, Tennessee or what, Florida. you know, like Vanderbilt or Arkansas or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Florida. I mean, he didn't do anything <laughs> in the Florida game either. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was Auburn at that game. I was, was... I was actually, I was, so I was, I was at that game because I was in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. I remember you, that was, you were going to watch him, and then you came yeah, back and after the game. I, I tweeted like, before the game. I tweeted before the game, and I said, "All right, guys, I'm about to watch Arden Key, and after this one viewing, I will declare if he is either a top 32 pick or if he's a complete bust, and no in between." <laughs> then you lean toward the bust side. Complete bust. <laughs> no, I mean that's what against Auburn it was just hit or miss, and you know he just and the I weight don't, fluctuations. Like, I don't. I don't know what weight he played at. I don't even know if I believe him when he says that. 280 to 238 is borderline It's not insanity. real. No, you played at 230. You played at like 230, 240 your freshman year. Don't tell me you bulked up to 280. You've he never, never even looked like he was at 280 on tape. That's my big thing. It's like. What did you say? He never even looked like he was at 280. No, people like, don't realize how big 280 is. 280 is huge, dude. You would be able to tell. 280 is like Aaron Donald was 280. I'm not calling dude a liar, but and I know that like he know. is like bigger and taller, so obviously like you get the weight there, but also also if you've been from 230 to 280 in your college career up and down without like a you know like, cuz he went up and down a bunch, then I, I, I do you have a weight problem? I don't know. Yeah. Like why are you Trying to get up weight and then get down to weight and then get up weight and I know I know prospects do that all the time but right it's, does Key just not know what he needs to be right I don't I I'm just I'm just so turned off by Arden Key yeah in the, the the athletic testing was going to be big and it wasn't good and uh, like what fans keep telling me that they want him in the they wanted him in the first and the second round and I'm like dude I'm not drafting this guy yeah. Scary. I think he's sketchy. And another guy, I think Hercules Madafa. Man, I don't know where the hype for this dude came from. <laughs> Maybe just from looking at the box score, I guess. They had him shoot a gap like every play at Washington State. He, that's all he did. And then when he faced Big Ten competition, when they played Michigan State, he was suspended the first half for a helmet-to-helmet hit. But the second half when he got in, he got his butt kicked all over the field. I mean, it was straight. He got wrecked. That's what will happen if you play him inside in the NFL. That's not even an option. Yeah. I don't think he has he's- the athletic tools to play on the edge. No, he's a, he he's a late, he's well. like a he's a late day three player. I agree, I agree completely. And there was first round buzz around his name, but he's gonna be he's gonna be a mid to late day three guy on my board. I think he's a special teams guy. Maybe you develop him if maybe he's an outside linebacker, or maybe he can drop into coverage. But he even tests like a great athlete, so I don't know how he's gonna do and drop him into coverage. It's not like he did it a whole lot. I mean, I don't even know what you do with him to be honest. I what mean, did he run? What did he run? Bad. I'll read you his web. I mean, it wasn't good. <laughs> bad. It was bad, dude. I mean, you're 254 pounds. I mean, his his 40 was 476. Um, His 
But again, remember, he's 21st percentile for weight among edge defenders. So weight adjusts that, and it's even worse. Um, the jumps were horrible. Like his vertical was in the 31st percentile. His broad was in the 14th. And then his agilities were his three-cone was in the 46th percentile, and his 20-yard shuttle was in the 60th. I mean, and you're talking about a guy with crazy, crazy short. And his arms are 31 and a half. I mean, that's not that I care that much about arm length for edge defenders. I, I typically don't. But if you don't know how to use your hands to begin I with. I mean, it matters. I mean, you don't want your arm length in the second percentile for edge defenders. I mean, he'd have he'd be one of the shortest armed edges in the entire league. I, at some point, you got to, I mean, it's got to be like a threshold at least here. I don't think he's yeah. going to pass thresholds for a lot of teams on size or length. Athletically, he for sure won't. He's already moving to a different position. He doesn't have a pass rush move that's a go-to move. He only won by beating guys off the ball and shooting through a gap. And that isn't always with a quick first step that I mean that. I mean, they slanted gaps. So if he would have just gone into the gap he was lined up across from, I think he would have been blocked a lot more. But because Washington State moves gaps and slants gaps, you're doing slide protections, things like that, he would catch them by surprise in those kind of schemes. And not just him, the other guys in the defense too. They're completely reliant upon it. So he's never think, held a gap. He's never done anything. Um, I think he could go undrafted. I honestly do. How how much of that parallels to what Taven Bryant does? No, it's different because Taven Bryant, again, the, the Florida would sometimes move gaps, but Taven Bryant would shoot the gap across from him sometimes. But there were plenty of opportunities where Taven Bryant held the point of attack, and I think he's really good at that, um, where, he, where he would anchor even if he played a little bit high, which I think he does at times. It didn't really matter because he was just so that big. He's that immovable, you know. And so compare it just in terms of what you're being asked to do schematically. You know, I think there were times when Taven Bryant got upfield, but there were also tons of times where he held gaps. Not often. I mean, they don't hold. It's not. They just don't do it. That's not what anything they do on defense. They shift before the snap to throw off your blocking assignments, and then they slant all all over the place. <laughs> And that's how they survive with 250, 260-pound interior defensive linemen. And yeah. it works great because they get tons of tackles for loss. And then when they get caught, they give up huge chunk runs. Yeah, they're going they're going air raid on defense, that's, too. That's literally what's happening, yes. It's all or nothing on defense. And it <laughs> Mike, Leach lost, Mike Leach lost his damn mind. <laughs> that's awesome. It could be great. They catch a guy for a tackle for loss on first down. They just set him, set him back in the down and distance and made him pass twice. And that's right in their bread and butter. Yeah, and I they guess. give up an 80 yard touchdown on the next play. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's a wild, it's a wild strategy. But then when they face somebody who could handle it, Michigan State just bullied them up front. I mean, so I that's closer to me to like what an NFL offensive line you're going to see rather than these huge, huge splits in the Pac-12 and stuff like that. Um, so I, I just I'm not sure Hercules translates to the NFL. Um, and if you're going to win, how he wins, you better be a great athlete. And I just don't see that from him. So those are the guys we've been checking out lately. We'll have more thoughts on other uh, players around the football too as we uh, as we continue to move through um, the, you know, this last couple. I guess we're about what fifty forty eight days from the draft now. So we got like wait a month really and a half. yeah wow. something like that. It was fifty like what Schefter tweet yesterday or two days ago something like that. So wow yeah we're getting close we're closing in there. We'll have more thoughts. We'll keep doing this too, giving you guys updates. You know when we have uh, not not a general like a. a specific topic i guess that we're going to tackle for a day we'll just jump in and talk about guys that uh we are going to be looking at on tape tomorrow we'll fan friday month then next week we're doing bracketology with with nfl draft prospects so get ready for it folks it's going to be a ton of fun we're going to argue our way through a bracket with the prospects 
We're going to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with this thing. Friday, fan Friday. That's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. I think it's going to be a really fun idea. I think people are really going to like it. It's it's a it's a 32 prospect bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat consensus the top 32 guys ish, and we are going to crown the number one overall prospect in this draft. Yes, it will be a perfect system. Have no doubt about it. So that's what we've got in store for you. Then we're working on a really, really cool idea that I think you guys are going to love that will drop and we'll start previewing it as if, if it all comes together like we hope. We'll start previewing it uh, sometime around when free agency is wrapping up and it's going to drop for you guys a week or two before the draft. So there's going to be uh, lots of cool stuff for you guys to check out with that too. So until then, you make sure you keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.